Welcome to episode 9 of the Beyond the Battle podcast. It has been a little while since I recorded an episode. I apologize for that. I got a new job and I have been busy with training and orientation. So it's pretty big news. I am now working full time for Covenant Eyes. I've mentioned Covenant Eyes a few times on this podcast. And now I am a church consultant on pornography and sexual purity for Covenant Eyes. And so for those of you that know me or my story at all, I planted Crossroads Church in Lansing, Michigan 13 years ago. So I started that church and I am still attending Crossroads. So I didn't leave my church, but I'm no longer on staff and I'm no longer in a formal pastor or elder role or decision-making role. There's a long story to that that's probably outside of the scope of this podcast, but if you're interested, by all means, you can check out my personal blog, which is at a crossroads.net. And just scroll down a couple articles and you will find the very long version of it. Uh, But the short story of it is, you know, I wrote Beyond the Battle earlier this year, was published, and have been doing the groups that I talk about on the podcast quite a bit. That's the beyondthebattle.net groups, and those groups are so fruitful. And I just started my new round of groups this week, uh, Tuesday night group and a Thursday afternoon group. The new groups will be up on the website soon for... Uh, signing up, so I encourage you to, to go to beyondthebattle.net, and those are small groups I lead of guys online, and we go through the book, and man, guys are just finding really, really incredible freedom, uh, not just short-term freedom or symptom-based freedom, but really deep connection with Jesus type of freedom from temptation and sexual sin. My whole mantra is getting past, don't do that, don't lust, don't look at porn, to getting to the point where why would I want to do that? Why would I want to lust? Why would I want to look at porn? I don't desire that anymore. I think that is possible. I have experienced that uh, fully when it comes to pornography and more and more each day when it comes to lust. And I just praise God for that. And so with that opportunity there to do these groups and the fruit that was there and really at, at the core my heart is to be a writer. I I just love it. I love writing. I love blogging. I love doing these podcasts. And our church is in great shape. I've done a lot of good there. My gifts are certain types of gifts. I'm good at certain things. I'm not good at other things. And it was just time to let others who are more gifted at uh, running a 13-year-old church uh, to take over. And I'm just so uh, blessed to be able to stay at my church. I love my church. I love the people there. So I'm going to be preaching once a month uh, at my church and getting to still lead a small group and just be a part of the body and really just enjoy it. So I love that. But big transition for me personally, huge you know, vocational transition. Uh, and so uh, my first day at Covenant Eyes was uh, about a week and a half ago. And been doing really up to this point, just training, orientation, uh, a lot of a lot of data stuff to plow through, a lot of training uh, to sit through, and excited about that. But also chomping at the bit to get going on my on my job, which really s- sounds like it's going to get to start in the next couple of days and and into next week. 
where my job really is to connect with churches that are already interested in uh, tackling pornography in their church. And so that could be a church that's afraid to talk about the issue, but they know that it's a need. It could be a church that's really advanced down the line, and they just need a consultant, a coach to come alongside and really help nail down some goals and really help set a course. Uh, This is going to allow me to do a lot of guest speaking and workshops and staff trainings and things along those lines. And it is pretty crazy as I do the training with Covenant Eyes. I mean, I know the stats are bad and all those sorts of things, but man, the stats are really bad. You can go to Covenant Eyes website and just search statistics and you'll find a stat pack that they did. They did a Barna study in 2016 called the Porn Phenomena. And it is disheartening. It is heartbreaking culturally how accepted pornography is within the church, amongst pastors, you know, and particularly young pastors like myself. I mean, I'm in my mid-30s, and you know my testimony if you've read the book, but guys my age and younger, we just grew up looking at pornography, and there's no switch for that. You can't just turn that off, and we're not bad people. You're not a bad person if you're in that in that boat. You are a part of what happened in culture, and even really good families like mine, they just didn't know this was going to be such an issue. They didn't know bringing the internet into the home was going to open the door for this and that boys and you know girls as well, uh, more and more increasingly girls, but particularly when I was in middle school, just being a boy and a young teenager and having all this at my fingertips and, and not knowing it was wrong initially and then knowing quickly that it was, but getting quickly addicted and just how it shapes and it warps your view of women and of sex and even of yourself and and that and that whole thing. There's not an off switch for that. And so guys are going into ministry, going to seminary. That's not going to getting married. That's not going to stop the way you've been patterned to think, the way pornography's patterned you to think. So uh, anyway, that's just something I'm excited about to get to do full time. I love being a pastor, uh, but it was a one of those things where you can't live three lives at one time. You can't do three jobs at one time, and so I'm narrowing it down uh, to maybe one and a half jobs, working with Covenant Eyes and still getting to do some writing and podcasting like I'm doing here, and just really an exciting chapter. So with that, I would say uh, I am going to be a—I should say I am a consultant, and if you are interested in having me be a consultant, there's, first of all, lots of free stuff. There, there is uh, paid consulting down the line, but tons of free stuff right off the bat. Just contact me. Uh, I'll get you some other contact info later, but for now, you can just use the email of the podcast, which is podcast at beyondthebattle.net. That would be if you're a church, maybe you're a men's group, a school, college, and you're just looking for some assistance on how to get some cultural change uh, going on in your church. That's what I'm doing full-time now, and I would love to talk to you about that. I already mentioned the beyondthebattle.net groups. Uh, Super excited about those. If you know of anybody, if you're struggling personally, uh, this is kind of the, it's a small group. um, And man, I just started last night with a new group of guys. And every single time I start a group, I am just, I just get goosebumps. It's like we are meeting guys from all over the country, sometimes all over the world. And we're getting together on this, this platform, this video chat, and we bond and God is at work. And it's just sitting before the throne of of grace, of, of sitting before the cross, and God's doing a work. He's doing an awesome work. So check out beyondthebattle.net, 
And if you don't currently use Covenant Eyes, if you're on the internet and you're not using accountability, uh, you sh- you should. I don't I don't know why you wouldn't. Uh, I have a new uh, promo uh, from them. Now that I'm on as a consultant, I can offer you two months for free, which is really awesome for you to check Covenant Eyes out. So if you want to do that, go to this website. It's coveyes.com slash beyond. So just remember the name of my book is Beyond the Battle. So it's cove, that's C-O-V, like Covenant Eyes, but it's abbreviated, coveyes.com slash beyond. That is your sign-in link. That'll pop you into my Go Beyond community, and you will get two free months of Covenant Eyes. I'll put that link in the show notes as well. So super exciting stuff there. And one more thing, this is coming down the pike in, uh, is it pipe? Probably not pike. Coming down the pipe, yeah, in a couple months. I don't know the exact date, but Covenant Eyes is unrolling a brand new uh, base software. So, and I am super excited about it. Honestly, as someone who uses Covenant Eyes to help keep me pure, uh, this is going to be super helpful. So right now, the way accountability software works with Covenant Eyes is it's based on keywords, right? So if you were to go to a website that had the word porn in the website name, boom, that's going to show up on your accountability port, obviously, because it's tracking words. If you type in the name of an actress or something like that, boom, it's going to show up on your accountability report. Your accountability partner is going to see that. Um, But what's happening more and more is a couple things. One, websites uh, are no longer keyword-based, especially apps. Apps aren't keyword-based. They are, it's the name of the app slash a whole bunch of numbers. And so the new software is going to be photo-based, so image-based. And what it's going to do, it has an algorithm set up and artificial intelligence will detect what is an explicit or pornographic image. And it's going to blur that image out and it's going to send your top nine images to your accountability partner. So uh, basically, if if you didn't look at anything pornographic or anything explicit, it'll just send still nine, you know, top nine photos to them so they can get an idea of that you're doing well online. Here's the reason I love that. There's just so many loopholes to filtering and even accountability software guys that struggle with Google images, for example. Um, you know, if you've, I'm not, I'm not giving you ideas of what, of what to do to avoid, you know, your filter, but this is probably stuff you've done. I I've done this, you know, when I was in the middle of my struggle and you got the filter or even the accountability software, you're like, if I go to Google images, but I don't click on any of those pictures. And, and if I, there, there, there's things I can type in that aren't maybe words that'll show up on the keyword, you know, explicit. And then there's those those sorts of things. And I, I just love this image-based software where you won't be able to do that anymore. <laughs> those, those pages are going to get sent to your accountability partners. It's going to be real accountability. And even for me, I mean, the current struggle I have, I read a lot of stuff on ESPN.com and I absolutely hate it at the bottom of the article. They'll often have these, uh, these photos and they're not porno- pornographic by any means. Uh, but it'll have an athlete, you know, the, the the hottest female athletes of the Olympics or something like that. And it's hard not to look at that. It's hard it's to, to not dwell on it for a couple seconds and tell yourself, don't look at that, you know, don't look at that, that kind of thing. And I know a lot of guys struggle with that. It's, it's why they put them there. And a lot of other websites are the same way. So I love, so for me, my accountability reports go to my wife. And I just honestly love it that I'm going to have that accountability where, uh, if I'm dwelling on that little thumbnail at the bottom of the article, she's going to see it. And guess what? 
I won't be dwelling on those anymore. And, and that's really what accountability is about. And uh, this new software is going to be really awesome. So I'd encourage you now to get set up with Covenant Eyes and then know that in just a few short months, that's going to get un, uh, unveiled and unrolled. I hope that's a big, big encouragement to you uh, if you're struggling because, um, man, I wish this kind of technology had been, had been out um, earlier. It would have it would have helped me a ton. So here's here's a preview for you for the show today, episode eight. We do have a mailbag, so excited about that. I'm gonna do a new little segment uh, each episode where I give you just a scripture. Uh, you know, I've been thinking about episode seven, which was two episodes ago. I encourage you to go back and listen to it. I kind of did a diagram, a breakdown of how to study, uh, not study, how to spend your daily time with Jesus is what I call it. We, we do this in our Beyond the Battle small groups that I lead where you have to do your daily time with Jesus. And it's a, it's a big difference between just opening the Bible and plowing through it. It's really learning how to experience Jesus, how to experience scripture and how to hear God's voice through scripture, how to calm yourself down, how to quiet down, how to really have that time of solitude every day with God. And, and, and not only that, but how to be reminded that everything I'm looking for from women or from men, from sexual sin, everything I'm looking for, I've already been given in Jesus. So the, the acceptance I'm looking for, I've been accepted in Jesus. The validation I've been looking for, someone, this pretty woman or this uh, attractive guy to tell me that I'm valuable, I already have that in Jesus. And that's why whether you're single, you can have contentment in Jesus. Whether you're married and you're in a, a bad marriage, your spouse isn't showing you affection, isn't showing you those things, you can have contentment in Jesus. And so what I'm going to do, I think in episode 7, uh, off the top of my head, I went through Romans 8, 15 to 17 as the example verse of how to do that. And I'm just going to give you some other example verses that I think are really helpful ones. And so today, I'm going to do that with Psalm 131. And then the topic for the day is going to be these two wings of who God is. This is how I start Beyond the Battle. It's talking about God's holiness. There's his wrath and how important it is that we understand that. And then the other wing of that airplane is to understand his mercy. And to really, you, you have to have both wings. If you only have the mercy wing, the plane isn't going to fly. And if you only have the wrath wing, the plane isn't going to fly. So with that... Let's jump into the mailbag. Mail time. Mail time. All right. Today's mailbag comes from Aaron. Aaron, thanks so much for the email. If you would like to email the show, you can do that at podcast at beyondthebattle.net. That is podcast at beyondthebattle.net. Podcast is also on Twitter at battle underscore podcast. If you follow me there, I'll follow you back so you can send direct messages. And if you ever want a uh, mailbag email or message to be anonymous, just let me know. I know some of these questions are sensitive and that's honestly one of the reasons for this podcast. I want you to have a safe place. You can ask these questions and learn and we can talk about things that are just sometimes uncomfortable to talk about in church or uh, in person. So just let me know if you ever want it to be anonymous. So Aaron uh, wrote this. He said, I've just started to read your book as a devotional, and I started meeting with a pastor for accountability. 
I've had an accountability partner before, but it basically consisted of asking each other if we'd looked at porn. This wasn't very effective. What does good accountability look like, and what should the meetings look like? I think this is an awesome question. And here's the thing. I am a very honest person, and it gets me into trouble sometimes. And, you know, I'm working now for Covenant Eyes, which I love. Covenant Eyes' main service is accountability software. And Aaron, I feel you in the sense that a lot of times accountability isn't, it's not good. It's not, you know, there's just a lot of things that can mess up an accountability relationship. And so, man, I'm going to shoot straight. And I'm going to say, first of all, you have to have an accountability partner, one, that really cares, like that really cares about you. Because if you just have someone, so let's talk about Covenant Eyes. You're going to get a list of websites from uh, that this person looked at. And in, like I said, in a few months, it'll be a list of images. They're blurred out, by the way. I don't know if I explained that well. The images aren't the pornographic ones that get sent to you. It's those images, but they're blurred out. So it's that balance where you're, it's not in a way that will arouse the person or in any way tempt them, uh, but they, they will know enough that uh, this, uh, you know, the type of content that was being looked at, if that makes sense. Um, so, uh, yeah, if that person is just getting your email and they're not going to talk to you and, and those sorts of things, um, that's not going to be helpful at all. I think the other thing, too, is you as the uh, the person receiving the accountability, you have to really know, you have to really tell that person that they can shoot straight with you, that you want them to. Because I'll be honest, I've had people being a pastor and doing this, you know, kind of sexual purity ministry, um, several people who, you know, they'll sign me up or they ask me to be their, their accountability partner. And, but it's like, they don't, I know I don't like there's certain people where I don't feel comfortable confronting them on things because when I do it's like they make excuses or uh they just don't like talking about it and so I I think you just really have to uh and then the, the other example would be there there's somebody that whenever something comes up on his his uh his stuff and I ask him about it he's like super appreciative he just really really is thankful usually it's it's nothing usually it's like not it wasn't anything explicit or it was you know, he, there's a there's a legitimate explanation for it. Or it's, um, but he's so thankful that I look at the sites. And so I think for you as a person receiving accountability, there's a responsibility that you have to tell your accountability partner. Um, and if you haven't heard from him in a while, like you need to check in with them. Like, hey, check in on me. Like, talk to me. <laughs> and it sounds like with your pastor here, Aaron, you guys are meeting regularly. And I think that's awesome because I think that's a key thing too. If you're in a men's group, that's already meeting weekly, you have a reoccurring meeting, I think that's a great environment for accountability that's going to work because you might have an hour and a half small group and for the first like 10 minutes, there's that touch point accountability time. But you're getting to the part uh, that, that really is a legitimate critique of accountability. You say, uh, I've had an accountability partner before, but it basically consisted of asking each other if we'd looked at porn. I believe, and some people will disagree with me on this, but I believe your accountability partner has to hold, for it to be true accountability, they have to hold some level of authority in your life. Here's what I mean by that. We are accountable to the police, right? We're accountable to like a judge. If you have to go to court, you're going to be held accountable before the judge for what you did. 
well, why do we even call it accountability? Because you're gonna be accountable to the law because there's a punishment there, right? Like it actually means something. Uh, if the police officer or the judge was like, yeah, whatever, like, cool. Yeah, man, don't do that. You're bad. Like, it's all good though. That's not really accountability. Yet we use that word where it's like, you got one dude who's looking at porn and another dude who's looking at porn and they get together and they're like, hey, did you look at porn this week? Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, you, man, you shouldn't do that. But I, I looked at it too, man. You know, okay, let's let's pray for each other. It just, it doesn't have, where's the, where's the accountability? In that? <laughs> like, there's no ramification. There's no repercussion to that. So I don't advise everybody to have their spouse be their accountability partner. And there's reasons for that. Um, for, for, oh man, this is a whole nother, another question. Maybe this will be a topic at a future, uh, next episode, but yeah, I think I will. I think I will make this a topic for uh, next episode, but the, the briefly, I'll give you the, the nutshell, uh, the teaser version of it. Now, certain, certain wives, if you know, you, you are going to tell them you're in this, in the midst of struggling with pornography, um, they're going to freak out. I mean, they might want to divorce you. Like it's not probably it's probably more than they can handle, particularly if you're in the middle of the struggle. For other wives, um, and certainly more and more women are looking at porn too, so this could go wives to husbands as well. But for, for other wives, um, they're going to be able to handle it, and you may be in a place where you're not really looking at porn regularly. You're in a pretty good spot. and so. But, but my point is, if you can make that work where your wife is your accountability partner, I promise you, you're going to look at le- a way less porn than you would if just the your, your buddy who's going to be like, yeah, man, that's rough. I know what it's like. I'm praying for you. I mean, obviously, like there's there's, the ramifications are different. Now, if you're single, you don't you don't have a wife for, for, to be in that spot. If you're in a marriage where it's not wise or healthy at that point for your wife to be your uh, your your accountability partner, then think about other people in your life that that actually have authority in your life. Now, there's going to be unique cases where your boss could be that person. There's some authority there, right? I mean, you you you. It, again, it totally depends on your 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 situation. But if you are in a Christian organization or in a in a church setting, or even if you just had a Christian boss or something like that, uh, that that could work out really well. It doesn't mean they're going to fire you if you look at stuff, but you just know that there's some extra authority with this this relationship that you have. Um, and there's other settings where you might be in college and. You know, that's a, a, a your your resident assistant or your resident director or some sort of dean of students. You know, somebody that's in a level of authority, I really think uh, is going to uh, to be effective, more effective than someone who isn't. And if you can't think of anyone like that, uh, you know, your pastor, I think, is another good one. You, you you're meeting with your pastor, and there's some there's some type of authority there. Uh, but you know, really, at the end of the day. It's easy to to rip on accountability, and I've I've done that. Uh, but s- s- even low level accountability or low quality accountability is better than no accountability, if that makes sense. So, I think in that though, you ask what does good accountability look like, and and what should the meetings look like? I just think that good accountability it look it, it, it has repercussions and ramifications to it. So I would say then if even if you're with someone you can't find someone where there's real repercussions, make some up. You know, make up some repercussions. Um shoot, I'll tell you right now, <laughs> I don't like to be a public information, but here we go. Uh I got in this terrible habit of swearing 
And um, I am not one of these people that thinks swearing is cool. I have pastor friends like that. Uh, sorry, I'm not in that camp. Um, I do, and, and for me, the swearing was like when I got angry and I was by myself and it was becoming just, we'll put it this way, more and more and more of a problem. So here's an example of bad accountability. Bad accountability would be like, hey, uh, hey, accountability partner, I don't want to swear anymore and, you know, let's meet every week and I'll tell you if I swore. And you tell me yeah, I swore 10, t- 10 times this week. What, what are you going to do with that? Like, who, like, oh, I'm just going to try to shame you or something? Like, that's, that's just not helpful. It doesn't do any good. And so I actually did this with um, one of my close friends who is a co-pastor with me at Crossroads. And I just keep track of what I swear and I give him a dollar every time I do it. And I tell you, it's cured me. I, you know, I don't swear anymore because, and, and I genuinely don't want to do it. It's genuinely got really out of control and not something I want in my life. And so I'm not trying to hide it. I'm not lying to him. Uh, in fact, he could do a better job of like asking me, hey, do you owe me any money? He doesn't. But I have just intrinsically motivated. And when I do it, I just put the money on his desk and he knows what it's for. And it is, so you can do things like that where, um, you can come up with your own repercussions with your accountability partner. Maybe it's, I mean, money. That's accountability, right? Like money has power, you know? And so shoot, pay your accountability partner a chunk of, of money every time you mess up, every time there's a bad website on your report. Make it a lot of money. Make it like $100 or something. I mean, you have to actually, maybe maybe if it was 100 you wouldn't you wouldn't pay up. Make it a Make it twenty bucks, and if you mess up th- three times, sixty bucks you you owe them. You know, make it hurt. Um, but so I hope that helps. And uh, what should the meetings look like? I don't think you have to meet. I mean, I don't think you have to like have a big hour long sit down. I think you can text message. I think you can have phone calls. Um, like I said, I think if you're in an existing men's small group, you could do it. The first five minutes of the group, or the last five minutes of the group. You get together with your uh, with your accountability partner, and I will also there is a in the show notes I will put um, there's a resource from Covenant Eyes which I think is pretty cool. It's pretty pretty nice, um, and I'll put it in the show notes. You can get all the show notes. Go to at a crossroads.net and uh, just you'll find your podcast there. It's it's not hard to navigate to, but at a crossroads.net and there's an accountability partner kind of like a checklist. And um, it's it's literally meant for you to hold while you're doing accountability and you ask certain questions and you check them off. And it's set up for uh, how to keep someone accountable that you're getting their, their covenant eyes reports for. And so I'll post that for you as well. One more important thing too on what that accountability meeting should look like. So this gets to a deeper, a deeper, a deeper thing here. So I don't, my, my whole sort of beef with the Christian sexual purity culture, most of the books I've written, most of the approaches, is it's very surface level. So even sitting down with an accountability partner and, and asking those tough questions, it's, it's really surface level. So it's, it's managing the symptoms. I don't want to look at porn so I'm going to be asked this question, did you look at porn? No, I didn't, you know, or yes, I did. But it's it's the whole bouncing your eyes thing. It's it's training, you know, my body 
to it's like you're training your body to do things, but you're not you're not training your soul to get to a point where you don't want to do those things anymore. And I hope you can delineate the difference. But the accountability is good. I'm not saying throw that out, but it's short term. It's a short term solution. And man, I think there's greater freedom than that. And so honestly, I don't say this as a plug, but I would encourage you not just to do accountability, but to go through. Uh, so Beyond the Battle, the book, for example, I made a leader's guide. And the idea of the leader's guide is that you can do the exact same seven-week small group that I do online. You could do that. So Aaron, in your case, maybe your pastor would be willing to do that with you if you're already meeting with them regularly, or you could recruit some other guys and do a small group. But the leader guide is at beyondthebattle.net. You can check it out. But the whole point of it is not just sitting. If, if you're asking me, what should those meetings look like? I think that's what those meetings should look like. I think that's that's why I say that. Um, that's going to do both. It's going to do both the symptom-based stuff, which is needed. In fact, I do my accountability during the week via an accountability card. It's just a one-on-one thing. And then when we get together to meet, we work on the soul-level stuff, the heart change sort of stuff. And the accountability is also... Are you spending your daily time with the Lord, which I will be talking about later in the podcast and every podcast from here on out, because that is so, so key. Because if the solution is, I'm going to get from Jesus what I've been looking for from women or from pornography, that's only going to work if I'm actually getting that from Jesus every single day. And so I think to just say accountability is a solution, it's just that's a few pieces of the puzzle. They're important pieces, but you are not going to have the whole puzzle there. A much more comprehensive approach is needed, and I think that's what makes the Beyond the Battle small group so important. So I'd encourage you to check that out. If you don't, I would just get the leader's guide. If, and if you decide not to, then as you're reading Beyond the Battle, to take those principles and to say, this is what I also need in my accountability time, and to really hammer those home. So Aaron, I hope that helps. And as always, with these podcast questions, uh, one of the fun things about podcasting, it's pretty casual, and I might think of something later and be like, man, I wish I would have told Aaron that on the podcast. Uh, Aaron, if there's anything you want to know more about or just follow up with me, just shoot me another email. Um, If you didn't like my answer, let me know, and I'm happy to elaborate. podcast at beyondthebattle.net. So thank you for that. We'll close up the mailbag. And again, if you, if anyone else wants to send one in, that would be awesome. I love uh, getting your mail. I think it just adds an extra level of um, conversation, relationship, spontaneity to this uh, podcast. And that's really one of the reasons I do the podcast. So that's awesome. Uh, next, what I'm going to do is go into a new segment and these aren't going to be long, but I'm just going to read to you a passage of scripture. And I want to give you kind of how my brief instructions on how you can interact with this passage of scripture in your daily time with the Lord. So today I'm going to read Psalm 131 verses. It's well, it's verses one through three. It's a very short Psalm. And then this, this brings it up again. You don't have to read long passages of scriptures. There's a time and place for that, but the whole one year Bible idea where you have to sit down and read. I, I used to do that. It's eight or nine chapters of scripture every day. I'm not I'm not knocking that. I'm not discounting that. But know that it's very different than what I'm talking about here. And it's it's not, it does a certain thing well, but it does other things 
not well. And what I'm what I'm sharing with you here, you can do with just a few verses, one verse sometimes, sometimes more than that. Uh, but this is uh, it's a three verse three verse psalm. So here we go, Psalm one thirty one. And before I read, I want to encourage you to really try to slow down, even as you're listening to this podcast. Slow down. Slow down your heart rate. Breathe a couple times. I'm not trying to be weird or anything like that. I just, we live at such a fast pace. It's why we can't hear God. I mean, we, it's, what am I going to do next? What am I going to do next? I have to do more and accomplish more and, or, or I'm just going to go watch TV. Slow down. In your daily time with the Lord, I really challenge you to try lighting a candle. I know it sounds weird. Just try it. Give me seven days. If you, if you don't like it, you don't have to ever do it again. But it's an intentional way to slow down. You got to be alone when you do this. You can't have your spouse in bed next to you. This is alone, solitude time with God. The candle just says, this is intentional. This is intentional space. This is intentional time. I'm going to spend some time with the Lord. Psalm 131, verse 1. My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. Just let those verses sink in. That was just the first two verses. That's all I'm going to read. Did you even know that was in the Bible? It's such a beautiful, beautiful passage. I'll read it one more time. It's so short. My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. So many places the Holy Spirit can take you with this one psalm, particularly as it relates to the content of Beyond the Battle. So I'm trying to find my contentment in women, or if you're a woman trying to find your contentment in men or through same-sex attraction, if that's your struggle. And the whole point of Beyond the Battle is we find our contentment in Jesus. Like, think about an infant. This this psalm is describing a newborn baby that's feeding off of its mother's milk, calmed and quieted after it's eaten. Content. What it's saying is you and I are that newborn baby. And it's a metaphor used that when we go to God to find our contentment, it's when Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. You will find rest for your souls, right? That's what this is talking about. And so when you're spending your daily time with Jesus, this is what you're doing. 
It's describing what you're doing. It's saying you're not getting it cognitively here. You're getting it experientially. You're saying, I am an infant. I am content the way an infant is with its mother when I come to the Lord. When I know that the Lord is the one that approves of me. The Lord is the one that gives me value. The Lord is the one that accepts me. And when I'm full on the Lord, I just ate my fifth helping of Thanksgiving dinner. The Burger King commercial that comes on TV, it doesn't appeal to me. I'm not, I don't even want it. I don't want the pornography anymore. I don't want the premarital sex. I don't want the affair. I don't want the divorce. I don't need it. Even if my sex life is crappy right now, even if I don't have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, even if my spouse is not showing me affection, I'm full like a weaned child. I am content. Oh, it's it's beautiful. So look at look at verse one. My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I mean, this is an infant is not haughty, right? An infant is not proud. So a proud person or a haughty person, and boy, do I struggle with that. That's why I love this psalm so much. I struggle with this, and, and this is sort of outside of the scope of sexual purity and beyond the battle, but I've always struggled with, I want to save the world. I want a billion people to listen to this podcast. You know, I want to get this book published by this big publisher, and I want to be this expert person. Well, that's all pride. It's all haughtiness. And this psalm is saying, whoa, 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 slow down. Calm and quiet. I don't concern myself with great matters. Do you get that? You're, you're not to concern yourself with solving all the world's problems, solving all the church's problems. Those things are too wonderful for you. That's very counterintuitive to things you've even been taught at a conference or at a rally, right? We put way too much weight and burden on our shoulders, and we're to be a wean child in God's arms. Doesn't it simplify things? Wow. So you you leave your daily time with the Lord with this feeling of simplicity. Like, wow. I'm just going to be content in the Lord today. And let God do the rest. Those other things are are great matters. Don't concern yourself with them. They're too wonderful for you. And and that we can bring that back and apply it to verse 2 and apply it to our sexual purity and just say no, I'm going to be content in the Lord. The Lord is going to take care of the rest of it. I'm not going to have these proud and haughty eyes that that I must, I, the, this world, this relationship, sex, lust, marriage, a boyfriend or a girlfriend must satisfy my haughtiness, must satisfy my pride, my insecurity. No, that's already been satisfied. I'm satisfied in the Lord. I love this psalm, Psalm 131, 1. So I hope that helps you as you read it. Those are the types of things, and just allow the Holy Spirit to take you to those places. I hope that's helpful for you as we look at the Word and how to experience the Word and not just think about it in our heads. So I'm going to wrap up the podcast with sort of the topic for the episode. I won't go as long on this one as I as I do other times because we've already covered a lot of ground in this episode. But 
I want to talk to you about something that is hit on in chapters one through three of Beyond the Battle. And the analogy that I use in my small groups is this analogy that God is like an airplane. See, because the real foundation of Beyond the Battle is we we go to God like we're entitled. And I've talked about this before on the podcast. I've, I've read Exodus 19 to you. And if you start in verse 9 and you read to the, the end of the chapter, you, you, you encounter God at Mount Sinai. You encounter God when the Ten Commandments are being given to the Israelites. And it's terrifying. The mountain is shaking and quaking violently. There's thunder, there's lightning, there's fire. And God says, set up a barrier on the mountain because anyone who touches the mountain must be put to death. It's crazy, right? And yet, uh, so this is the God that we go to in our sexual sin. If we're married and our spouse isn't giving us what we think we deserve, we say, God, give me what I deserve. Or if we're single and we don't, we're, you know, we think, I deserve a spouse. God, give me a spouse. Give me what I deserve. Or I deserve a um, a boyfriend or a girlfriend or, or whatever it is. And and I always tell people, because this, this is where God led me, to take yourself to that mountain that's shaking and quaking violently and ask God, give me what I deserve. Not You're not, you're not asking, you're demanding, saying, give me what I deserve. And just see what he says back. <laughs> see what he says back. Um, what he told me was, you deserve hell. You deserve to die. You don't deserve me to give you this, this, or this in your marriage or in your singleness, which is what 98% of the Christian books out there on marriage and relationships and purity tell you. That's a whole nother rabbit trail. I'm going to try to avoid that one right now. I get myself in enough trouble with that. So, But that's one wing of the plane. It's essential, Romans 2, 5, to know we are under God's wrath that we quake when we go to God's presence. And that's the cure to our sexual purity, I'm telling you. You go down that path, it breaks the chain of going to God with this... I, I don't mean... I'll just... Hmm. It's It can be like a child... I, I want to say whiny, so that's what I'm struggling with. I want to say whiny, okay? Um... In perspective, it's whiny. I'm not saying you're whiny to go to God with these things. I'm not saying that. Go to God with your burdens. Go to God, and, and these are some serious situations, right? But what I'm saying is when you when you compare it to the holy mountain and you see God's holiness for all it is, you see that you deserve hell, what happens is a transformation. You transform from someone who who what you have isn't enough to someone where nothing circumstantially changed and you now are a grateful person and a content person and uh, you, you're like that wean child in Psalm 131 where you are content. And I'm telling you, that's a beautiful transformation. I can't promise you your spouse is going to change. I can't promise you if you're single, you're going to find the man or woman of your dreams or, or, uh, or any man or woman. But what I can promise you is you go to the holy mountain and God will transform you from someone who what you currently have isn't enough. And I'm telling you, that's a miserable place to be. I've been there. You've been there. Nobody wants to be in that place where what you have isn't enough. And, and you will be transformed as someone who is content with what you have. Because here's the other wing of the plane. I'll tell you what the other wing is. And then I'll tell you what happens if you only have one wing or the other. So the other wing of the plane is you go to that holy mountain. That's where it starts. 
That's what I call working the wheel. That's where the wheel begins is the holy mountain. And it's just this humility before God. You're on your face in the Bible. Every time God shows up or an angel shows up, what does the person uh, that they're showing up to do? Every single time they say, please don't kill me, right? I mean, they fall on their face. And it happens New Testament, Old Testament without fail. And that's what we say, please don't kill me. And guess what? God says, I won't. I won't. It's what you deserve. And and when we know it's what we deserve, it breaks down the entitlement. That's what I'm saying there. I'm not saying, before I move on from that, there's some confusion here. I'm not saying beat yourself up for your sin. So hear me on that. I'm not saying go to the holy mountain and say, oh, I'm such a sinner. Oh, I looked at porn. Oh, I'm impure. Oh, I don't love my wife or husband enough. Or, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm this awful woe is me person. That's not what I'm saying. Don't focus on you. Focus on God and his holiness and just focus on him and allow yourself to be humbled before him. Allow yourself to be quiet before him. Whoa, God, how could I dare approach your throne with entitlement that you owe me something, that you owe me more? Just do that with him. That's what I mean by God's holy mountain and focusing on his holiness. So then when you do that, the second wing of the plane comes in, which is his mercy. And the the passage I love to go to for this is the latter half of Matthew 18, the parable of the unmerciful servant, starting in verse 25. And you have this guy that owes his master what turns out to be, if you do the the math, uh, it is 200,000 years worth of salary. Verse 23, by the way, sorry, Matthew 18, verse 23. There's a debt that he owes his master. Think of your salary, times it by 200,000 uh, in years, and that's what he owes his master. He, he deserves debt. That's what he deserves. It's the holy mountain experience. And uh, he begs for mercy. The master gives it to him. The master gives him mercy. The master says, I'm not going to kill you. I'm going to save you. I'm going to forgive you. Imagine how you feel in that moment. Boom, snap of the fingers. 200,000 years worth of salary at your doorstep. It's not a paycheck. See, when with our paycheck, we think we earn, we, we've earned our paycheck. So every other week you get paid and you work so many hours or you're salaried and, and you have a contract. And what if your boss didn't give you a paycheck? How would you feel? Well, you'd be very angry. You'd go before God like we do when our marriage isn't good enough or our singleness isn't good enough. And we say, God, give me what I deserve. I earn this. And no, 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 no. At the Holy Mountain, you didn't. the only paycheck you earned is hell. You don't, you don't want that paycheck. So it changes the way you talk to God. And then instead of that paycheck where we think we've earned this, God fixed my marriage, fixed my singleness. Instead, it's like I think of the publisher's clearinghouse. I don't know if that's still a thing, but it, the, when I was growing up, you know, they'd have the TV commercial and they'd knock on the door and they'd have the gigantic check. It was made of like cardboard or, or wood or something. And it was this huge check, like six feet long. And there's all those balloons and they say, you are a, you know, millionaire or whatever. And the person's just like, what are you, what? Like, who are you? Why is this? And it's this money for you and you didn't do anything to deserve it. And it's there for you. How do you feel in that moment? I'm telling you, you feel a lot different than you feel when you pick up your paycheck. You didn't, you didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. That's mercy. That's the amount of mercy we've been given. And when we know we've been given that much mercy, it completely changes us, or so it should. The end of Matthew 18 doesn't end up that way. 
it's the guy lives, I think, the way we do when we don't fully realize how much this gift of mercy is that we've been given. But that's the second wing of the plane. And that's the wing that says, I have been accepted by Jesus. I am valuable. I don't need a woman or a man or sex or pornography. Because in pornography, what's happening is the woman or the man in the picture is telling you you're valuable. So it's always seductive. It's always saying, I want you. You'll never find pornography where they're, where they're saying, I hate you. You're disgusting. Get away from me. You're despicable. You're ugly. Spitting in your face. That's not, that's not how pornography is set up. It's set up as someone who's seductively accepting you. They're saying, oh, there's a, they're an attractive person. And they're saying, you're, oh, yes, I accept you. Come to me. I will come. I will embrace you. I will receive you. I will be with you. And that's really the heart of what we're after. It's not the body parts because you could take a naked person and they could yell at you and spit at you and, and call you all despicable names. You know, and that wouldn't, you, you wouldn't want that. It's like, no, I, that, that, that just, you don't want someone just insulting me whether they're naked or not. There's nothing attractive about that. And so they have to get to that deep layer of what it is we're really after. And that's what we get in Jesus's mercy. And every day in our daily time with the Lord, like we did with Psalm 131, we allow scripture to remind us of the mercy that we've been given, the mercy that we don't deserve. And then we are full. We are full on his mercy. So that's how the two wings work. If you only have the first wing, his wrath, his judgment, you just end up beating yourself up and you're like, I'm a worm. I'm worthless. And that's the opposite, right? You're, you're going to go to porn to make yourself feel, feel like you have worth again. No, if you just have the one wing of the plane and some churches are like that, the hellfire and brimstone, you know, that's, that's not the gospel. That's the, that's the one wing of the plane, but with only one wing, the thing's going to crash. Uh, you have incredible worth in Jesus. It's in the second, uh, it's in the second wing. But if you only have the second wing, and this goes back to pro- whatever episode it was where I did the video of entitlement is your worst enemy. I believe that was episode one of this podcast. Uh, that goes back to the churches today is much more popular where all we talk about is grace and mercy. And so it's almost like me and Jesus are equals. We're buddies. We're pals. We're friends. No, you're not. You're not equals with Jesus. He's holy and you're not. He's God. He's the God at the holy mountain in Exodus 19. And in a, in a church or a teaching or a belief that there's only mercy, but there's no judgment. There's no wrath. And I'll probably alienate um, some of you here, but that's what like Joel Osteen does. You know, he he said on 60 Minutes, he doesn't talk about sin because people don't like to hear about sin. Well, how can you talk about forgiveness and mercy if you haven't acknowledged your sin? You confess your sins and then you are saved and forgiven. That's the gospel. So the, the second wing of the plain mercy can't exist on its own either because it becomes what Dietrich Bonhoeffer would call cheap grace. We don't realize the weight that Jesus took on him, the payment that had to be paid. It wasn't that money, the 200000 in in debt in Matthew 18. It doesn't come out of the air. That check at your door, that check, that there's money in the bank for that. That's Jesus' death, his blood on the cross for you. And that's what makes the mercy, it's, it's like a, you can have a vis, you can actually have a visceral positive reaction here when you think about how much debt you owe God. But like I said, focusing it on his holiness, how holy God is. Whoa. 
And then that's the God that comes down from the mountain and gives you the hug and holds you. And as your father in Romans 8, 15 to 17, you're his son, you're his daughter, and he's holding you saying, I accept you, I approve you. It's like, whoa, <laughs> like all that debt, all that heaviness and weight is gone. And now I'm so grateful because I'm not in hell, but I have his mercy. He's valued me. He's accepted me and he's accepted me today. And I can be grateful for everything he's put in front of me, including, and I always like to, you know, I'm, I'm drinking a glass of water right now. This glass of water is the best glass of water I've ever had because it's better than hell. It's not what I deserve. Getting to talk into this microphone I'm tapping on here is the best microphone ever because it's not hell. It's not what I deserve. And it, I mean, it's, it sounds kind of silly, but if you can think that way, it completely changes your perspective on life. And so every day in your daily time with the Lord, that's what you get to do. So the, the point here is it's you have to have both wings. Don't emphasize only the first wing without fully embracing the second. And don't emphasize the second without fully embracing the first. Hopefully that makes sense. If not, let me know. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can email the show. This is going to wrap up episode nine of the beyond the battle podcast i don't know what episode number i said at the beginning if i said eight or nine this is episode nine so thank you for joining on the ride i would love to hear from you in the mailbag that's any questions you have about your own purity about stuff i've talked about on the podcast maybe you disagree with something maybe it's a question from the book beyond the battle uh, you can email me podcast at beyondthebattle.net or get a hold of me via Twitter at battle underscore podcast. I'd love to interact with you for our next episode. Uh, stay tuned. Please subscribe. If you don't subscribe, do that on iTunes or Google Play. And I promise you this podcast is not dying. Uh, the hiatus is over, and I, I, I love doing this. I love hearing back from you guys. One of the guys in my current beyondthebattle.net uh, small groups. I said, how'd you hear about the small group? He said, well, I heard about it from your podcast. How'd you hear about the podcast? Well, I was Google searching for resources on how to avoid porn and how to be sexually pure. And I was like, that's so cool. I love that. So I love to hear from you. If you listen and the podcast is helpful in any way, uh, know that your encouragement is a big boost to me. So with that, this closes down episode nine of the Beyond the Battle podcast. Until next time, know that you are not alone. I am on this road with you and would love to uh, connect with you more to how to encourage you on how to get other people around you. So back to Aaron's question in the mailbag. Man, um, find, I, I would say more than an accountability partner even, is accountability community. And that, that's something I'm excited about with Covenantized Communities is the idea is a culture of accountability. So then you're not even just weighing in on one person, but there's a real, this is just part of your discipleship. And, and so I hope this podcast can be a part of that. I just want you to know you're not alone. We're in this together and there's freedom in Christ. We, we can get beyond the symptoms. We can get to a point where we don't even want this anymore. Isn't that awesome? I think it is. So I will talk to you next time. I would say, I don't want to say this in a cheesy way. I'm praying for you, but I'm going to make it because I don't know you. Uh, I'm going to make it a regular practice though to pray for the listeners of this podcast. I do pray for the, the, the readers of my book. And so know that in that sense, I am praying for you. But if you have specific prayer requests as well, by all means, uh, let me know via email. And I love to pray for you. So know that you're not alone, and I will talk to you next time.
in the image Pointing to redemption to the one who got them splinters Cause that cross is nothing pretty So why the beauty pageants And caught up in emotions And following your passions Talking that freedom All people need them more than that Easter Or coffee shop discussions Debating over baristas Please sir, this is why we inked up Even when they do the autopsy They still see him Freedom, freedom, freedom coming quickly Bars from the spirit Put it through the preamp And mix it like a chemist Put it in the airwaves And hoping that they hear it If there's some confusion Then I hope you see him clearly Raise them, raise them, raise them They've been sleeping for some ages Now all God's babies So confused by this hatred Pulpit preachers shouldn't aim to be A-list Money probably long But sure it's with your daisies